0: Chapter 4 of Master of the Vineyard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. April's Sun With a rush of warm winds and a tinkle of raindrops, spring danced over the hills. The river stirred beneath the drifting ice, then woke into musical murmuring. Even the dead reeds and dry rushes at the bend of the stream gave forth a faint melody when swayed by the full waters beneath. The joy of morning was abroad in the world robins sang it winds whispered it and beneath the sod every fibre of root and tree quivered with aspiration groping through the labyrinth of darkness with a blind impulse toward the light across the valley on the southern slope a faint glow of green seemed to hover above the dark tangle of the vineyard like some indefinite suggestion of colour promising the sure beauty yet to come rosemary had climbed the hill of the muses early in the afternoon she too was awake In every fibre of body and soul springs had come and gone before twenty-five of them but she had never known one like this a vague delight possessed her and her heart throbbed as from imprisoned wings purpose and uplift and aspiration swayed her strangely she yearned blindly towards some unknown goal she had not seen alden for a long time the melting ice and snow had made the hill unpleasant if not impossible and the annual sewing had kept her closely indoors she and aunt matilda had made the year's supply of underwear from the unbleached muslin and one garment for each from the bolt of brown and white gingham rosemary disdained to say gown or even dress for the result of her labor was a garment simply and nothing more every third summer she had a new white muslin of the cheapest quality which she wore to church whenever it was ordained that she should go grandmother and aunt matilda were deeply religious but not according to any popular plan they had their own private path to heaven and had done their best to set rosemary's feet firmly upon it but with small success when she was a child rosemary had spent many long desolate sunday afternoons thinking how lonely it would be in heaven with nobody there but god and the angels and the star family even the family it seemed was not to be admitted as an entity but separately according to individual merit grandmother and aunt matilda had many a wordy battle as to who would be there and who wouldn't but both were sadly agreed that frank must stay outside rosemary was deeply hurt when she discovered that grandmother did not expect to meet her son there and as for her son's wife the old lady had dismissed the hapless bride to the abode of the lost with a single comprehensive snort alternately rosemary had been rewarded for good behaviour by the promise of heaven and punished for small misdemeanours by having the gates closed in her face as she grew older and began to think for herself she wondered how grandmother and aunt matilda had obtained their celestial appointment as gatekeepers and reflected that it might possibly be very pleasant outside with the father and mother whom she had never seen so of late years religion had not disturbed rosemary much she paid no attention to the pointed allusions to heathen and infidels that assailed her ears from time to time and ceased to feel her young flesh creep when the place of torment was described with all the power of two separate and vivid imaginations disobedience troubled her no longer unless she was found out and gradually she developed a complicated system of deception when she was discovered reading a novel she had accepted the inevitable punishment without outward submission naturally it was not easy to tear out the leaves one by one especially from a borrowed book and put them into the fire saying each time she put one in i will never read another novel as long as i live but she had compelled herself to do it gracefully only her flaming cheeks had betrayed her real feeling a week later when she was locked in her room for the entire day on account of some slight offence she had wept so much over the sorrows of jane eyre that even aunt matilda was affected when she brought up the bread and milk for the captive's supper rosemary had hidden the book under the mattress at the first sound of approaching footsteps but aunt matilda by describing the tears of penitence to the stern authority below obtained permission for rosemary to come downstairs eat her bread and milk at the table and afterward to wash the dishes she continued to borrow books from the school library however and later from alden marsh when he learned that she dared not read at night for fear of burning too much oil he began to supply her with candles thus the world of books was opened to her and many a midnight had found her absorbed and breathless straining her eyes over the last page more than once she had read all night and fallen asleep afterward at the breakfast-table once long ago alden had called upon her but the evening was so unpleasant both for him and his unhappy hostess that he never came again rosemary used to go to the schoolhouse occasionally to sit and talk for an hour or so after school but some keen-eyed busybody had told grandmother and the innocent joy had come to an abrupt conclusion rosemary kept her promise not to go to the schoolhouse simply because she dared not break it the windows of the little brown house where the stars lived commanded an unobstructed view of the marsh's big colonial porch in winter when the trees between were bare so it was impossible for the girl to go there openly as mrs marsh had never returned aunt matilda's last call sometimes alden wrote to her but she was unable to answer for and stamps were unfamiliar possessions grandmother held the purse-strings tightly and every penny had to be accounted for on thursday rosemary always went to the post-office as the household guardian was due then so it happened that occasionally she received a letter or a book which she could not return until spring at length the hill of the muses became the one possible rendezvous though at the chosen hour of four rosemary was usually too weary to attempt the long climb moreover she must be back by six to get supper so one little hour was all she might ever hope for at a time yet these hours had become a rosary of memories to her jeweled upon the chain of her uneventful days alden's unfailing friendliness and sympathy warmed her heart though she had never thought of him as a possible lover in her eyes he was as far above her as the fairy prince had been above cinderella it was only kindness that made him stoop at all when the school bell sounding for dismissal echoed through the valley below rosemary hung her scarlet signal to the outstanding bough of the lowest birch and went back to the crest of the hill to wait for him she had with her the little red book that he had given her long ago and which she had not had opportunity to return she turned the pages regretfully though she knew the poems almost by heart days while she washed dishes and scrubbed the exquisite melody of the words haunted her like some far-off strain of music for the first time she had discovered the subtle harmonies of which the language is capable entirely apart from sense Living lines stood out upon the printed page, glowing with a rapture all their own. Now, shadowed by his wings, our faces yearned together. She read aloud, thrilled by the very sound. Tender as dawn's first hill fire. What marshalled marvels on the skirts of May. Shadows and shoals that edge eternity. Oh, she breathed, if only I didn't have to give it back lo what am i to love the lord of all one murmuring shell he gathers from the sand one little heart flame sheltered in his hand what indeed thought rosemary what was she to love or whatever might she be but april sun strikes down the glades to-day so shut your eyes upturned and feel my kiss creep as the spring now thrills through every spray up your warm throat to your warm lips for this rosemary put the book down face to face at last with self-knowledge she would have torn down the flaming signal but it was too late if he were coming and he never had failed to come he would be there very soon alden had closed his desk with a sigh as the last pair of restless little feet tumbled down the schoolhouse steps scraps of paper littered the floor and the room was musty and close, in spite of two open windows from where he sat he could see the vineyard with its perpetual demand upon him since his painful interview with his mother he had shrunk inwardly from even the sight of the vineyard it somehow seemed to have a malicious air about it mutely it challenged his manhood menaced his soul he had accepted the inevitable but had not ceased to rebel the coming years stretched out before him in a procession of grey uneventful days breakfast school luncheon school long evenings spent in reading to his mother and from spring to frost the vineyard with its multitudinous necessities he felt keenly that his mother did not quite understand him in fact nobody did unless it was rosemary whom he had not seen for weeks brave little rosemary for whom life consisted wholly of deprivations how seldom she complained and how often she had soothed his discontent it was three years ago that she had come shyly to the schoolhouse and asked if she might borrow a book he had known her of course before that but had scarcely exchanged a dozen words with her when he saw her rarely at church grandmother or aunt matilda was always with her and the stars had had nothing to do with the marshes for several years past as mrs marsh had been remiss in her social obligations at first rosemary had been purely negative to him and he regarded her with kindly indifference the girl's personality seemed as ashen as her hair as colourless as her face her dull eyes seemed to see nothing to care for nothing within the last few months he had begun to wonder whether her cold and impassive exterior might not be the shield with which she protected an abnormal sensitiveness now and then he had longed to awaken the woman who dwelt securely within the forbidding fortress to strike from the flint some stray gleams of soul of late he had begun to miss her and each afternoon to look with a little more conscious eagerness for the scarlet thread on the hilltop, signalling against the grey sky beyond his interest in her welfare was becoming more surely personal not merely human during the winter though he had seen her only twice he had thought about her a great deal And had written to her several times without expecting an answer the iron bars of circumstance which bound her had though less narrowly imprisoned him also it seemed permanent for them both and indeed the way of escape was even more definitely closed for rosemary than for him he sighed as he rose and brushed the chalk from his clothes through force of habit he looked up the crest of the hill of the muses as he locked the door the red ribbon fluttered like an oriflame against the blue and white of the april sky his heart quickened its beat a little as he saw it and his steps insensibly hastened as he began to climb the hill when he took her hand with a word of friendly greeting he noticed a change in her though she had made a valiant effort to recover her composure this was a new rosemary with eyes shining and the colour flaming in her cheeks and lips spring seems to have come to you too he said seating himself on the log beside her how well you look the deep crimson mounted to her temples then as swiftly retreated better take down the ribbon she suggested practically i've been watching a long time for this he resumed as he folded it and restored it to its place in the hollow tree what have you been doing all the usual dreary things to which a mountain of sewing has been added is that a new gown she laughed mirthlessly it's as new a gown as i'll ever have she returned trying to keep her voice even my wardrobe consists of an endless parade of brown alpaca and brown gingham garments all made exactly alike like a dozen stage soldiers marching in and out to create the illusion of a procession i suppose so you know i've never seen a stage much less a stage soldier alden's heart softened with pity He longed to take Rosemary to town and let her feast her eyes upon some gorgeous spectacle, to see her senses run riot for once, with colour and light and sound. I feel sometimes, she was saying, as though I had sold my soul for pretty things in some previous existence, and was paying the penalty for it now. You love pretty things, don't you? She turned, brimming eyes toward him. Love them, she repeated brokenly. "'There aren't words enough to say how much.' From a fresh point of view he saw her countless deprivations, binding her, thwarting her, oppressing her on all sides by continual denial. His own rebellion against circumstances seemed weak and unworthy. "'Whenever I think of you,' he said in a different tone, "'I feel ashamed of myself. I have freedom, of a certain sort, and you've never had a chance to learn the meaning of the word.' You're dominated, body and soul, by a couple of old women who haven't discovered as yet that the earth is round and not flat. My soul isn't bound, returned Rosemary softly, but it would have been, if it hadn't been for you. I? Why, my dear girl, what have I done? Everything. Think of all the books you've loaned me, all the candles you've given me, all the times you've climbed this steep hill just to talk to me for an hour and give me new strength to go on. "'It's only selfishness, Rosemary. "'I knew you were here, and I liked to talk to you. "'Don't forget that you've meant something to me, too. "'Why, you're the only woman I know, except my mother.' "'Your mother is lovely,' she returned. "'I wish I could go to see her once in a while. "'I like to look at her. "'Even her voice is different some way.' "'Yes, mother is different,' he agreed idly. "'It's astonishing sometimes how different she manages to be.' "'We had it out the other day about the vineyard, "'and I'm to stay here all the rest of my life,' he concluded bitterly. "'I don't see why, if you don't want to,' she answered half fearfully. "'You're a man, and men can do as they please.' "'It probably seems so to you, but I assure you it's very far from the truth. "'I wonder now and then if any of us ever really do as we please. "'Freedom is the great gift.' "'And the great loneliness,' she added after a pause. "'You may be right,' he sighed. "'Still, I'd like to try it for a while. It's the one thing I choose. "'What would you take if you could have anything you wanted?' "'Do you mean for just a little while, or for always?' "'For always. "'The one great gift you would choose from all that life has to give.' "'I'd take love,' she said in a low tone. "'She was not looking at him now but far across the valley where the vineyard lay. Her face was wistful in the half-light. The corners of her mouth quivered ever so little. Alden looked at her, then rubbed his eyes and looked at her again. In some subtle way she had changed, or he had, since they last met. Never before had he thought of her as a woman. She had been merely another individual to whom he liked to talk. Today her womanhood carried its own appeal, She was not beautiful, and no one would ever think her so, but she was sweet and wholesome and had a new, indefinable freshness about her that, in another woman, would have been called charm. It came to him all at once, that in some mysterious way, he and Rosemary belonged together. They had been born to the same lot, and must spend all their days in the valley, hedged in by the same narrow restrictions. Even an occasional hour on the hill of the Muses was forbidden to her, and constant scheming was the price she was obliged to pay for it. The restraint chafed and fretted him, for her as much as for himself. It was absurd that a girl of twenty-five and a man of thirty should not have some little independence of thought and action. The silence persisted, and finally became awkward. "'It's the book,' said Rosemary, with a forced laugh, She was endeavouring to brush her mood away as though it were an annoying cobweb. I've grown foolish over the book. I'm glad you liked it, he returned, taking it from her. I was sure you would. What part of it did you like best? All of it. I can't choose, though of course some of it seems more beautiful than the rest. I suppose you know it by heart now, don't you? Almost. Listen, isn't this like today? Spring's foot half falters. Scarce she yet may know the leafless blackthorn blossom from the snow, and through her bowers the wind's way still is clear. Rosemary got to her feet unsteadily. She went to the brow of the hill on the side farthest from the vineyard and stood facing the sunset. Scarcely knowing that she had moved, Alden read on. But April's sun strikes down the glades to day, so shut your eyes upturned and feel my kiss a smothered sob made him look up quickly she stood with her back to him but her shoulders were shaking he dropped the book and went to her a strange new tenderness possessed him rosemary he whispered slipping his arm around her what is it dear nothing she sobbed trying to release herself i'm i'm tired and foolish that's all please let me go something within him stirred in answer to the girl's infinite hunger "'to the unspoken appeal that vibrated through her voice. "'No,' he said with quiet mastery. "'I won't let you go. "'I want to take care of you, Rosemary. "'Leave all that misery and come to me, won't you?' "'Her eyes met his for an instant, then turned away. "'I don't quite understand,' she said with difficulty. "'I'm asking you to marry me, to come to mother and me. "'We'll make the best of it together.' her eyes met his clearly now but her face was pale and cold she was openly incredulous and frightened i mean it dear don't be afraid oh rosemary can't you trust me trust you yes a thousand times yes he drew her closer and love me a little love you the last light shone upon her face and the colour surged back in waves she seemed exalted, transfigured, as by a radiance that shone from within. He put his hand under her chin and lifted her face to his. Kiss me, won't you, dear? And so Rosemary came to her woman's birthright in the shelter of a man's arms. End of chapter Four.